Welcome to You're Still Doing That, where we're talking to everyday people about their childhood joys that have endured into adulthood. Uh, sitting virtually next to me is... Michaela Holly. Uh, hey, Michaela. Uh, what is your occupation that we're going to talk about today? I am a board-certified music therapist. That is fabulous. Let's get into your story. Welcome, everyone, to the 11th episode of You're Still Doing That, where we talk to everyday people about the things they did as kids that they still do today. With us today is Michaela Holly, and we're going to be talking about her, but really our love of music. Let's get to know Michaela. Uh, Michaela, um, where, where do you live at? Uh, I am currently living in Niles, Ohio, which is in the northeast part of the state. Oh, wonderful. Right. If you want to be on the podcast, people, you don't have to be local. Uh, we can just jump in online and get to it. Uh, Michaela, do you got any family or or pets or anything that live with you? Um, I just adopted a kitten um, this past week. So she's eight oh, weeks old. and Just this week. You're in for some fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. What's the kitty's name? I named her Magnolia, Maggie for short. Oh, Maggie, Magnolia. I love it. I know which one you're, when she's not being very nice, I know which name you're probably going to end up saying first. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, Michaela and I, um, uh, we're one of those typical Facebook friends that people have. We know each other online through mutual stuff because we both attended Lee County High School and we're both in a marching band, but at totally different eras uh of the lee county marching band but we we're both lucky enough to have mr wilkins as our band director um, i am a 94 graduate of the of lee county high school in the band michaela when did you graduate 2015 yeah so big change so you were there after southern lee opened up yeah so they got a little bit tiny i was there uh obviously beforehand uh, real quickly, Michaela, um, how would you sum up your uh, years in marching band? Uh, my time in marching band were definitely some of the highlights of my musical experience. Uh, I was in color guard all four years, and then I did the orchestra as well. But marching band really will always have a special place in my heart. Yeah, my daughter did the exact same path. She's a cellist, but she uh, she did color guard. Oh, but over at Southern. Nice. All right, Michaela, let's get into some music therapy. So let's start early first, Michaela. What was the, uh, when did you first get into music? When do you first remember liking music? Um, I would say it's something that's always been a part of my life. I did children's choir uh, with my church and um, my grandparents would always sing to me and they actually are the ones that first encouraged me to really explore the musicality uh, that I have. And my grandparents ended up gifting me with piano lessons for Christmas. Oh, one nice. So, yeah. Wonderful. Yeah, we all start. It seems like a lot of people have the same uh, beginnings, either at a church or through some private lessons when they were younger. Because <laughs> I could definitely uh, say the same thing about myself. Uh, what was your first instrument that you remember learning? Um, mine was piano. And I distinctly remember uh, my first piano teacher was Miss Gloria Dyrumple. And um, 
she now, was, on, was that was that in Sanford? It was, yeah. Okay. Um, she was kind of on the fence uh, about accepting me as a student because I couldn't actually read yet. That's how young I was. Ah. And uh, she said, well, give it a chance and see how she does. And after my first lesson, she said, I think I'm going to take her. Just kind of took off with it. Yeah, it's a good thing about that is, is you don't have to already uh, know how to read or anything to start music because so much of that is um, it's it's a whole new language. So. Absolutely. So it's actually probably pretty good you started that before you were uh, got restricted by the school system when you start learning things. You were still yeah. wide open. <laughs> um, so you talked about, oh, yeah, your piano teacher, Ms. Dalrymple. Um, who were some of the other uh, music teachers you had in your early days? Um, so for elementary school, uh, the music teacher... Oh, I went oh, to oh, oh. Oh, you went to Broadway. I was going to stop you. Yeah. Because I was doing the math and I'm a little older than you. And I, but I was, I've been a music teacher in Lee County at the same time you would have been in elementary school. So I was going to guess who your teacher is. I think I just heard you say Broadway. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to remember. Um, I can see her fit. No, I'm not going to remember, but I can see her face. What was, what was her name? Well, in in your defense, there were several that cycled through. Oh. So, um, there were two, though, that I recall um, from my time. Miss um, Hayes was one, and then Miss Moore. Um, oh, I gotcha. Yeah, and really what I remember most, I remember more about Miss Moore, um, but she was a military spouse, and I ended up taking private lessons from her for a couple of years, too, I think in fourth and fifth grade. Is that for piano, too? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then she ended up having to move again. So right. then I shifted over to East Lee in middle school. Did and you have Miss Flowers? I did. Yeah. Miss like Flowers. Flowers. Yeah. I uh, got started on violin and orchestra there. Was really disappointed because I wanted to do band and orchestra. Um, I wanted yep. to play the flute in band, but um, yeah, with restrictions and having to do PE. Yeah, our lovely school system. <laughs> if they're not very <laughs> lenient about letting people explore their interests, yeah. are they? No. Uh, yeah. Well, there's still time to learn to flute, so. There is, there is. <laughs> and then, of course, you had Mike Wilkins in high school for band. Who was your orchestra, orchestra teacher? So I was there for Miss Karen Huey's last uh, two years. I, I, I wondered. <laughs> I, I was trying to think of the math, and I couldn't remember. But luckily, yep. you had the legend, Miss Karen Huey. I did. I uh, saw her through to re retirement, and it was heartbreaking to see her yep. retire. Um, yep. Absolutely tragic. But um, we still keep in touch to this day. And um, she is actually the person who introduced me to music therapy. And wonderful. Um, yeah, I'm surprised. Yeah. yeah. So um, after Miss Huey retired, though, uh, Mr. Matthew Box came in um, for two years. And he was a phenomenal teacher as well before he left uh, to pursue higher education. Yep. I didn't have a chance to meet him, but I did hear great things while he was here. Um, so, uh, so how did you like color guard and marching band? It was so much fun. Yeah. Um, and you stayed all four years. I did. Yeah. yeah. Um, I started my freshman year and ended up as co-captain and then captain my junior and senior years. So. Uh, 
So how, how would you say orchestra and marching band are different? Um, they kind of have different environmental feels. I would say marching band is a little more playful and laid back and, um, there's more of a variety in the expression that you're able to display and right. kind of capitalize on. Yeah, um, and in the students in marching band too, there's a big variety of yeah, uh, personalities definitely. compared to orchestra. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> I would say the marching band's a little more diverse as well. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. When I taught uh, marching band and orchestra at Southern Lee, uh, there was a massive difference between my band kids and my orchestra kids. Yeah. And uh, I could always tell. And my orchestra kids would always joke. <laughs> they would always say, uh, we're the smart ones, aren't we, Mr. Miller? And I was <laughs> like, yeah, probably. <laughs> probably are the smart ones. <laughs> uh, when did you realize that um, music wanted to be your career? Um, so my somewhere in my freshman year of high school, Miss Huey had us do this project about career paths and what we were interested in pursuing, studying colleges versus um, trades and things like that. And I had no idea what I wanted to do. Right. I knew that I didn't want to be a teacher like my mom and I didn't want to be a cop like my dad. Um, <laughs> well, those two very sometimes similar uh, careers right there, teaching and yes, police officer. <laughs> for sure. Um, but I was always really interested in music. So um, one of the other things that I'm really passionate about is helping people. And um, I always kind of got coined as the good listener of my friend group, um, ah. noted as more mature for my age. If there was a crowd or a party, I was usually hanging back with the adults as opposed to running around with the kids or the teens. Yeah. Um, so Miss Huey asked me if I had ever heard of music therapy, and I had not. So she put me on a little quest to research that. And, of course, her alma mater um, at Appalachian State offered yeah. the program. And that's kind of how I discovered it. Yeah, how do I know? You would say, Miss Well, Miss Huey brought me into it. She's like, <laughs> yeah. The more every little story I hear about her is just more wonderful all the time. Uh, so what? Uh, so you got to App State for music therapy. Uh, what was your primary instrument at App State? Violin. Violin. Well, you must have been very good for them to take you in there. That's for yeah, sure. I'm was... sure there was a load of people that auditioned for on violin. Yeah, it was a pretty intense studio. The um, professor for violin is Dr. Nancy Bargerstock. Um, mm -hmm. And she studied at Juilliard. And fun fact about her is she was a couple years uh, behind in school with Ixoc Perlman. Um, wow. Yeah. So <laughs> that's kind of her little claim to fame. Claim but to fame right there. Yeah. yeah, she's a phenomenal musician, educator, and uh, it was it was great to work with her. Yes, I bet so. I don't know if, uh, how long she was around. I was a, a French horn major at App State, and so I, I never played in the um, orchestra. I was never in that ensemble, so I didn't really my paths didn't cross much with the with the orchestra majors or the string majors. Um, well, from your time at App State. Um, uh, was there any pieces or concerts in there that stood out as memorable to, memorable to you? Um, 
I'm trying to think. Or like in your studio. I remember a couple of pieces I played in Horn Studio that stick out for me. I wouldn't say there was anything that was just mind-blowing. Um, and I think that's kind of credited back to the fact that I was in the Lee County Community Orchestra. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't like a groundbreaking new experience to be in a big symphony like that for me. Although it was still incredible. Um, right. But I, I had had some exposure to that previously. Um, I really enjoyed doing chamber ensembles, chamber groups. Yes. Um, playing with yeah. some peers and little duets and uh, things like that. Some yeah. of my favorites are always Beethoven, um, Bach, And tabletop duets are always fun, too. Yeah, Bach's got a lot of those, too. Yeah. Yeah, um, And, yeah, my daughter is in the uh, community orchestra as well on cello. And I think that's going to be real helpful to her because she's a little worried she's going to state. And so she's got an audition coming up next month. And, you know, the the Lee County Community Orchestra, um, that's no joke. Um, I played with her for a couple of seasons on horn. And it's it's quality music. It's not um, it, they don't diet back any. Mm-mm. It's pretty hard stuff. And so I was really impressed with the level of musicianship in there. And because I was thinking, uh, you were talking about not being blown away going into App State in the studio. I was the exact opposite on horn. I went in there and I was like, why am I in this studio? Everybody is so <laughs> much better. Uh, and I was completely blown away at what we had to play because I was not uh, prepared for it at all. Not that level anyway. Uh, but if you can handle Lee County Community Orchestra, then uh, you're pretty set. Then. All right, Michaela, what uh, what was your uh, title of your major at App State? Um, so it was a bachelor in music for music therapy. Got you. And what kind of classes? Uh, does it take to get a music therapy degree? So we uh, actually beat out the nursing majors for required credit hours. And I should have looked this up to write down how many it was, but I know um, music education, there's, it was a ton of little one hour classes. So I'm sure I would assume music therapy had a lot of those too. Oh yeah. Um, A lot of one credit hours, and um, we started our practicums right in freshman year, second semester. Yeah. Um, so it was just really intense. And we did everything from music theory, music history, all the way through music therapy and medicine. Um, yeah. We had to take anatomy and physiology with oh, wow. real human cadavers. And Oh, my goodness. I would have yeah. never thought that. Yeah, um, it it was pretty interesting for sure. Well, now, why would you need to work with a cadaver for music therapy? How does that work together? Well, um, that's a great question. I'm still trying <laughs> to figure that out. Um, but, you know, I think it was really just a great opportunity for exposure for us because as a music therapist, it's really hard to tell what we might encounter. So we work in a number of settings that range from private practices through hospitals, nursing homes, um, school systems, things like that. But, you know, there could be a time 
where we go in with a surgical team to prep someone, or maybe we're in an emergency room and someone comes in with a trauma. I think it was kind of a way to desensitize us. Got um, you. So that right. we weren't completely frozen if we encountered something with, I don't know, body with, parts cut open. Right, <laughs> with, with open exposure to the human body, possibly. Yeah. All right, I get that. Yeah, that does sound intense because I remember at Appalachian Music Therapy was like brand new, the degree program was. And uh, I always wondered what went into that, just besides your normal music. Did you have to take all levels of music history and all levels of music theory? We did. Um, it was five levels of music history. No, that's wrong. Three I levels think... of music history okay. and five or six levels of music theory and oral skills, depending on uh, what level you came in. At yeah, that. well, that's changed since I was there. Then we had a you had music theory. There was a, I think there was one, two and three, maybe. I think is all it was called. And uh, and then music history was split up by the uh, periods. Mm -hmm. And there was five. You had pre-Baroque, and then you had one uh, for the rest of each of them. But I was a transfer student, so I only had to take one level of music history, which is awesome. Yeah, so, really? <laughs> yeah, I, I, well, I uh, talked to the professor about uh, getting credit for some that I'd already taken in community college. And so we chatted a bit. And he says, yeah, sounds like you get a pretty good education. Just take the pre-Baroque class. And I was like, score. Nice. <laughs> so I was real happy about that. Uh, one last question, uh, two last questions about app, and then uh, we'll deep dive into music therapy. Uh, did you have to take performance seminar for zero credit hours on Fridays? Absolutely, we did. Oh, <laughs> I hated that. Not that I hated um having to listen to all those great performances that the other music majors did. And we all had to do at some point, uh, but a zero credit hour class on a Friday of all days. Yeah. Um, mm, I'm, st yeah, I'm still a little sore on that. And you could only miss it like one time for the entire semester or something yep. like that, or you, you didn't get credit. And I don't know how you made it up if you failed that. For instance, yeah. I don't remember. Um, I think you would have to tack it on to another semester or I don't know. You had to work something out with the Dean yeah. because it was, yeah. <laughs> they treated it like the most important class uh, yeah. which you had to go to. Um, so when you wrap up your degree, is there a test uh, that uh, you have to take to be certified music therapist? Like teachers have to take a praxis. Yeah. Yeah. So um, after you finish your coursework, which takes a full four years. Um, then you go and do a clinical internship, which is 1200 yeah. hours. Um, and then after you've completed your internship and had your, de your degree conferred, um, then you are eligible to sit for the national board exam. Um, which is a timed test. It's all yeah. multiple choice. And um, if you pass it, then you're granted the credential MT-BC, which stands for 
music therapist board certified and it's managed it. and maintained by the certification board for music therapists or CBMT. And yeah. Yeah. It looks so official when you have your name and that however many little letters you have after yeah. your name. That yeah. makes it super official and uh, definitely uh, will make you feel proud after it's a lot of work the the um, working on your internship and then having to go and sit. Um, that's, that's quite a lot. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I almost wish they would make teachers have to do the same thing too, just a little bit. You have to do an internship before you can become certified. Cause yeah. they just, they just kick us in the pool, man. You, you get your certification before you even get to a classroom for the most part. And they just toss you in there. Sink or swim. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for the most part. Some, there are some States that actually have licensure for music therapy. So Ohio just last week actually just passed a uh, licensure for music therapists. So now there will be an additional, um, I'm not sure what that looks like yet because I have a meeting on it tonight, actually. But um, there will be an additional qualification in order to practice music therapy in the state of Ohio. And they're really, uh, it's hit and miss with which states have licensure and which right. don't. I will tell you that the Carolinas don't yet, but um, it's something to be on the lookout for and advocacy is great. And yeah. All right, let's get into some music therapy questions, because I think even I have a music degree and I am sort of aware of music therapy looks like, at least from when I was at App State. But I, if you, the doctor told me that music therapy is an option for somebody in my family or something, I'm still not exactly sure what that looks like. So uh, where, uh, where do you work? Do you have a private practice? Are you in a hospital? Where, uh, where do people get music therapy from? So right now I am working in a pediatric outpatient private practice. Um, it's not a company that I started or run, um, although one day I would love to maybe start a private practice of my own. Um, but we get referrals really from anyone. So similarly to the way counselors and therapists receive referrals is okay. essentially how you could get into music therapy. Um, so if I have a connection with a doctor's office, they could send someone my way. Right. Or you could call me up and say, hey, Michaela, uh, I know a kid that is struggling with X, Y, and Z. Is this something that you can help with? And then right. I would do kind of a meet and greet with them for an assessment and go from there. All right. So what does music therapy look like if, if someone came in to, to ha uh, have a session with you? What exactly can someone expect? So first and foremost, music therapy is going to look different um, for every individual and for every clinician. Right. So the overarching uh, premise of music therapy is that it uses music as a tool or a co-therapist to help a person achieve non-musical goals. So that's kind of a fancy way of saying they're using music to help you make non-musical things happen. Um, right. And we tend to target one or more of the five domains. So think cognitive goals, social, emotional, right. communication, and physical things. Gotcha. Um, 
yeah, we can hit into some academics. Uh, we can work alongside uh, with speech language pathologists, physical therapists, oh, yeah. occupational. You definitely see it with speech and occupational therapists for sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, who normally gets music therapy? Is there a particular age group that would benefit from it more than another? Um, I love that question because the answer is still everyone. Um, yeah. I have personally worked with everything from the NICU, the neonatal intensive care unit, all the way up through geriatric psych hospice. Um, yeah. Oh, I so could definitely really, see for hospice too. Yeah, it's yeah. it's wide open. And uh, the approach looks totally different depending on what you're doing. So for a NICU baby who was born super early, maybe at 28 weeks, um, for example, you know, yeah. you go in and they're hooked up to all kinds of tubes and wiring right. and yep. you got to check the monitors and um, just jamming out to the Beatles or ACDC is yeah. not going to cut it for that. Um, no. However, um, we do like to use parent preferred music because that's most likely what the baby has heard in the womb. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, there's a sequence of steps that you go to, to help kind of regulate heartbeat and respiratory rates and watch for O2 levels and things like that. And you right. layer in and out of the music, depending on how the infant responds. Yeah. And um, it, it just really helps with stimulation and feeding and uh, maturing of the brain and different yes. organs. So yeah, definitely I'd be pumping some Brahms in there. I'd think if they were, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, uh, a lot of his stuff. <coughs> it really just kind of, it's, it's interesting. Um, most of the time you start with a simple hum and um you know, you sustain a pitch and depending on their response depends on how you change the melody. Yeah. Um, and of course, as the baby ages and matures and grows stronger, the music becomes more complex and yeah. eventually you can get into holding and rocking while making music and things like that. But there are also different approaches like heartbeat recordings. So you can actually record the rhythm of the heartbeat of the baby and then write music to go over top of it. While that's not something that's ne not necessarily beneficial to the baby, that's something that the parents can have, whether or not right. the child survives, you know, that's kind of a legacy piece maybe, or something yes. to bring them comfort. And um, Yes. Yeah. Oh, I never thought about that, writing a piece of music over their art beat. Yeah. Yeah, that would be really special. Uh, just for, even if the the baby wasn't under any type of uh, serious conditions or anything like that too. Yes. Um, so uh, what is music therapy uh, prescribed for or what can it be prescribed for? Yeah. So really any kind of goal area that you want to work on. Um, I mean, it can be pre prescribed for people with mental health, um, difficulties or physical health difficulties. Um, one thing that's important to note too about music therapy is it is a peer review research-based practice. So um, just like there are journals for medicine and pharmacy and psychology, 
There are also journals for music therapy that set up control trials and clinical research that are uh-huh. data driven. Right. Um, so yeah, just, just again, the answer that I will go back to always is it depends. <laughs> um, a lot of things I saw when reading about music therapy is that it was uh, used quite a lot for anxiety or, um, uh, it kind of worked with uh, someone's already occurring therapy, like as an add-on um, for mental health issues. And um, and I wasn't sure if that was like the most common thing you see it for is for youth and, um, and their mental health, or uh, is it mostly performed in a hospital space? Um, it really is all over. Uh, I would say the most common that I hear about is working with kiddos that are on the autism spectrum um, right. or geriatrics. Um, but really, truly, it, it can be found anywhere. It, it's used with incarcerated peoples um, in the prison systems. Oh, yeah. It's another great place for it, too. Yes. Yeah. Uh, inpatient and outpatient mental health facilities, um, school systems. Yeah. Now, as a music therapist, um, um, are are music therapists trained uh, similar to a regular therapist? Or is it similar training? Or is it definitely one is different from the other? They are very similar, um, but the credentialing boards are different is the main thing. So um, in my studies, we had to take courses that were specifically geared to music therapy and mental health, um, music therapy in like school settings, Mm -hmm. uh, medical music therapy. But then there were also more generalized things like psychology, abnormal psychology, growth and development, um, you know, all kinds of things like that. Uh, We had a class called Models in Music Therapy, which is where they broke down the different approaches um, and techniques. So you've got things like gestalt and um, humanistic approaches. The opposite end of that is more like the behavioral approaches. And of course, within the community itself, there are disagreements about which approach is most ethical or called for. And so really it it kind of boils down to the experience of the clinician and the person that you're working with as to which approach you take. And I'm typically an eclectic approach. I pull a little yeah. bit from, from everything because I don't think there is one cookie cutter way to, um, you know, just approach music therapy as a whole. <laughs> right. And I would think when you're working with youth, there's definitely not a, one cookie cutter way for, for any child um, at all. Any teacher will tell you that everybody gets something a little different each time they, they get to them. Definitely. I'll say too that there's been kind of a an interesting um, change in dynamic with the music choices of um, kids and youth these yeah. days. <laughs> um, you kind of expect it all to be like pop or rap or hip hop or things like that. But um, 
I've had six-year-olds, seven-year-olds come into sessions before and um, they'll ask me if I know a song and I try to stay up with what's being released new to keep up. And uh, they're like, no, it's this brand new song. I don't think you've ever heard of it. And then they'll start singing the Beatles. (laughs) um, But it's TikTok. Like TikTok is, is just cycling all of this older music back through you know, they'll pull stuff from the 40s or the 50s that yes. I personally like had never yep. heard of and have yep. to go look up. And so, yeah, yep. it's kind of funny. <laughs> My kids have done the same thing. And I've, I've seen that quite a lot, too, um, with the age of uh, streaming and, and apps. Yeah, they get a lot of that stuff. Um, Michaela, what are some of the biggest benefits you've seen to your patients uh, from through music therapy? Um, I would say overall an increase in confidence and ability for self-expression. So kind of where music therapy differs from music education and music performance and even music industry is that it's not um, something that focuses on the final result or the product. So there are times where I do adaptive lessons, for example, where I'll teach a child um, or a patient of any age how to play the piano. But while a piano teacher might be looking that they can identify notes, read music, identify intervals and things like that, Mm -hmm. I'm looking for, can they regulate their emotions when they mess up? Right. Um, Do they have, are they showing growth cognitively and the ability to identify these letter names um when they don't know their alphabet (laughs) yeah um you know it has a lot to do with coding and cognition pattern recognition things like that um and you mentioned all kinds of things that i was like man i would hope new teachers are getting some of this stuff (laughs) in their schooling i was like that would be i was thinking all those benefits if i knew a little bit more because i'm one of those teachers I'm like, all right, I'm looking for intervals. I'm looking for reading music and identify beats. And, uh, but the other stuff most definitely be so helpful. Uh, where, in the, where in the United States do you think music therapy is incorporated with regular health care? That it's something that, say, doctors, your family doctor or physicians would know that that's a resource that they can refer patients to. Um, I would say that that is dependent on the region you're in. So, (coughs) excuse me. Um, I just pulled up and looked. The states that have licensure are California, Connecticut, Georgia, Illinois, Iowa, Maryland, New Jersey, New York, Nevada, North Dakota, Oklahoma, Oregon, Rhode Island, Utah, Virginia, Washington, Wisconsin, and Ohio just joined that list last week. Um, So I would say those places are definitely at the forefront of awareness and utilization of music therapists. Um, And areas where they are near... Uh, colleges or universities that right. have the program. Um, it's it's still a growing 
field. It's relatively yeah. young. Um, in North Carolina, actually, there are only three colleges or universities that offer music therapy. They yeah. are Appalachian, sure. East Carolina, yeah. Carolina and, and Queens. <laughs> oh, Queens. I Queens, was going to say yeah. UNCG. You know, that would have been my first three to say. <laughs> yeah, surprisingly, UNCG is not on the bandwagon. Hmm. Um, but yeah, they have practicum students that need to fulfill clinical hours. And so they typically reach out within a one hour radius from their university and um, all of the practicum students are directly supervised by music therapists that have already been certified. Um, But yeah, I would say that's probably the easiest um, places to find it, but that's not to say that it's not in other places. Right. Well, folks here in North Carolina, um, I got to say, I was not impressed when I started looking for music therapy at least online anyway, mm-hmm. um, about where to go and where to find it. Um, I was looking at the, uh, the website for North Carolina music therapists and I was like, mm, I don't know. There doesn't seem like a lot going on here. Uh, now the region for the Southeast, um, I did find their annual workshop and I got to tell you, I, I really wanted to attend most of those classes. Uh, so many of them go right with my music education. And it dawned on me that none of these styles of therapy classes with music are in any of the music educators' workshops that we go to, our conferences. I, I don't particularly see them. And I was thinking, I think we're missing something there because there sure is a lot that I think uh, we could definitely learn from that. Um, so if, if, uh, if, if a parent thinks they want to uh, use music therapy for their uh, child. Uh, where's the best place to start for that? Especially here in North Carolina, where I don't think music therapy is widely used. Yeah, that's a great question. So um, there are kind of hubs throughout the state where uh, you'll find music therapists more heavily con- concentrated. So there are quite a few in the Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill area. Um, there are quite a few in Charlotte, um, of course, Boone. Um, right and then sprinkled throughout. But um, you can find a music therapist close to you by going to the uh, certification board for music therapist website. And I can send you a link to that if you want to put it in um, your description in the podcast. Can do. Sure can. Um, And you can just search for, I think, by your zip code and your state, and it will give you a list of music therapists in your area. Usually it also has an email contact, possibly a phone number, um, and you can go from there. Another good way to do it is to find a music therapist that you know. Um, You can reach out to me, and I have a network. I can connect you with people as well. Um, Yeah. Sounds awesome. Um, I was, what was I going to ask you? <laughs> this happens more when you get older. <laughs> um, oh, uh, is music therapy covered by insurance? So that's a loaded question. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes and no. That might also depend on your state as well. It does. Yeah. Um, so in states with licensure, I want to say that it is um, and that the licensure allows us to bill Medicaid and Medicare. Um, 
But in states without licensure, most of the time it is not. But that's not to say that you cannot uh, get reimbursement for it because I have seen where um, a music therapist provides someone with a bill um, or an invoice and the patient pays that up front and then they're able to send that off to their insurance company for reimbursement. Yes. I I do know like... uh, with my insurance company, Blue Cross Blue Shield of North Carolina, it covers any and all therapy, a hundred percent. And uh, so, I have a feeling that oh, uh, music therapy might fall under that umbrella. Hopefully, so definitely, it's worth giving a try and uh, trying to get that done. Because I don't see, the, yeah, if my kid. Yeah, I was going to say, definitely ask your insurance companies about it because the more and more they hear about it, the more likely they are to actually uh, provide funding for it. Because if my kid's going to therapy and it's 100% covered, um, I don't see the difference if they're seeing a music therapist, especially if that is recommended by their either physician or their therapist. I don't see why that should be covered too. Absolutely. All right. So, Michaela, um, if you can't get to a music therapist, but you really want to use music therapy in your day-to-day life, what's something that somebody can do uh, to help them with that? So you can start with something simple by singing along with the radio. Um, As cliche as that sounds, uh, whenever you make music, regardless of the quality, um, you're releasing endorphins in your brain that are triggering different uh, responses and promote overall health and wellness. Right. Um, and haven't you seen all the movies or, or you ride in your car and you start shouting with the radio for something that's happy or the opposite, something that's really got you upset and you find a song and you just let it rip, whether it sounds great or bad or whatever. Uh, but generally it's very helpful to go through that. Exactly. Um, You can feel confident in knowing that there's research and data points that that show that. And if it's something that you're interested in learning more about, there are lots of resources out there. Um, Sing in the shower, sing to and with your kids or your parents or your pets. Um, Learn an instrument. You're never too old to learn an instrument. Uh, There are lots of great resources that are free online. YouTube is a great one. You don't have to know how to read music. Um, It doesn't matter if you're five years old or if you're 95 years old. Um, You can learn. And it's a great cognitive and physical exercise. Um, And if you want to learn an instrument, I know a great music teacher, this podcaster right here will love to get you in his studio. Yep, we can get you going on just about any interest an instrument you would like to. Um, so, uh, Michaela, a couple of fun questions. So when you get in your car or you're at home, what, uh, kinds of songs are on your playlist that you listen to? Oh my goodness. There's such a range. Um, I can go from ACDC to Beethoven, uh, back to, Honestly, right now, I'm really into an indie folk kind of genre, and yeah. my favorite artist is Noah Khan. I just went and saw him yeah. in concert. Yeah. Um, I think you'll find that from a lot of uh, people with a music degree that their playlist 
has music from hundreds of years of periods. I mean, they're all over the place. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. I grew up listening to 80s the most, I think, because that's what my parents uh, were most interested in. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I also really like the Appalachia kind of sound. My mom um, was born and raised in West Virginia. So hearing that kind of folk mountain music. Um, Did you guys really... like the song Country Roads or was it overplayed there? <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Um, it makes me chuckle. Um, <sighs> I actually now, um, I think you had this as a question later, so hopefully I'm not jumping ahead, but. Um, I play fiddle a lot, which yeah. is the same technically as a violin, but it's just a different in the style that you right. play. Uh, yeah. My most um, requested song when I'm out gigging is Country Roads or yeah. Wagon Wheel. <laughs> uh, yes, I could see Wagon Wheel too. A couple yeah. you have to have if you're playing for gigs and stuff. How many? Okay. Um, that's another good question. If you're playing for gigs, how many? songs do you have in like your playbook that you can pull out and, oh my and okay roll with? so um i do fluently read music um so if you give me a a piece of physical music i can read yeah. it i can play it um most of the time on site but i rely more on my ear than yeah. i do anything and so i've actually found a partner that i'm gigging with up here who plays songs and we do three hour sets. And honestly, yeah. I only know maybe half of the songs that he, yeah. he plays guitar and sings. And um, so I just improvise most of it. Um, right. And so, yeah. Uh, yeah ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> to get fluent at your instrument like Michaela is, uh, it takes hours of practice. Let me tell you. Yeah. Lots and lots <laughs> of practice. And listening. Uh, listening, yeah, is, and listening is so critical. Uh, yeah, I was going to ask you what you're doing with your violin now, but uh, that's awesome that you're still playing uh, and playing frequently, too. Three-hour sets, that's a lot. You're uh, hitting in the Taylor Swift territory right there, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. I, uh, uh, I just got invited to come do a recordia, uh, a recording studio session um, later this month, so I'm really excited about that. Yeah, you're not just good. You're very, sounds like you're very, very good for sure <laughs> with all that. Um, if you've got, I don't know if you have any YouTube links or something or stuff where you've played, that would be wonderful to add yeah. to the notes. And I, I just like to see it myself too. Yeah, I'll have but, to send some your way. <laughs> yeah, Karen Huey, I know it would be very proud about all your playing here starting you off. <laughs> um, what kind, what's your favorite kind of uh, mu music to listen to? when it's attached to a movie or a TV show? Hmm. Like what kind, what really gets you excited? Or do you have, let me say, or do you have a particular composer for music or a TV? If you know that person wrote the music, you know, you're, you're going to like what you're going to hear. So hopefully this isn't a cop out, but I feel like the most obvious one is going to be John Williams. <laughs> yes. Uh, maybe uh, I should say, who do you like other than John Williams? Cause okay, uh, okay. most definitely, um, uh, I don't know how many times I've been watching like a movie, uh, that's not like star Wars or Harry Potter or something. And I'm like, man, the music's really great. Who did this? Said, oh, look, it's John Williams. <laughs> Hans Zimmer is also a really mm, great one. He's one of my top choices. Yeah. I love yeah, Hans Zimmer. Definitely. 
Um, oh. I also like it whenever there are kind of smaller artists that pop in. Um, and sometimes they blow up, sometimes they don't. I'll tell you a really good um, long-standing show that has incredible music choices is Grey's Anatomy by Shonda yeah. Rhimes. Yeah, yeah. Um, the artists that she pulls in for that are just incredible. Um, one of uh, my favorites is uh, Sleeping at Last is is his stage name and yeah. little nerdy kind of tangent here. Um, there is a whole series of a personality test called the Enneagram personality types. And it's similar to Myers-Briggs, but um, they're based on numbers one through nine. And it's just a really scary, accurate um, test you can take. And so this artist, Sleeping at Last, actually wrote music that correlates with each of the personalities. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it's just really rich quality music and the lyrics are incredible. And um, so I like really nerdy things like that. He also yeah. has a a podcast for each song that he wrote that breaks down why he made the musical choices he did. Yeah. And it's just really neat. <laughs> yeah. Um, I forgot that um, uh, uh, Grey's Anatomy, they always do have that song at the end of the episode that comes in and plays. I always liked that about that show when we did watch it, but I think we fell out three or four seasons in, but yeah, they were good for doing that. Um, so, uh, what do you hope comes up next in your music therapy career? Uh, that's a great question. Like, what, um, where would you like it to go to? I would really just like to have the freedom and flexibility to work with a wide range of people. Um, I steer away from the term populations because I feel like that kind of puts people into categories that um, don't really define them. Right. Um, but right now I'm just working with kids and teens with uh, developmental or intellectual disabilities. I would love to expand that and um, get in with the NICU and, you know, it's, it's nice to go from lullabies to, you know, songs about math um, yeah. to the Beatles or Green Day or I don't know. I just yeah. like having a variety um, yeah. and it helps pull you out of the monotony. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, you can only sing uh, head, shoulders, knees and toes. So toes, many times. Right? <laughs> yeah, we, we, we definitely like a change up in our musical taste. We don't want to have to do the same thing all the time. That's for sure. All right, Michaela, um, I'm going to ask you six rapid fire questions that don't really right. have anything. They don't, you could make them about music therapy, but they don't have to be about music therapy. Okay. Uh, what is the most beautiful thing you've ever seen or one of? Um, I would say the Appalachian Mountains. Yeah, that's a popular answer. Uh, what's your favorite smell? Um, Right now, I am obsessed with the Billie Eilish perfume that's <laughs> so. Oh, that's great! I don't know if I've smelled. I, I may like have. It just vanilla, don't have. like yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great. What's your favorite sandwich? Um, the turkey pesto from Quick Bites in Sanford. Go check them out. If nice you've never <laughs> Quick Bites. Yep. Uh, what's your favorite drink? Uh, right now I'm stuck on Coke Zeros, which are yeah. really not the healthiest for you, but. 
what makes you happy every time it happens? Um, I would say making music with other people. Yeah, that's, that's a great, I was about saying, I was, was thinking, I bet she's going to say when she's on stage. Yeah. yeah, that's a good, that's a really good feeling. If, if you guys haven't experienced that yet, I, I don't know. What's the largest audience you play to? Oh, wow. Um, I feel like it was probably an orchestra concert. Um, right. A few hundred people. Yeah. Cause every time I see video footage of somebody, uh, like on stage uh, recently, my wife's been watching all kinds of videos of Taylor Swift's current tour and you've got someone on stage and there's literally tens of thousands of people just hanging on whatever you're about ready to do and they copy everything you do they they clap they sing they jump they shout all of your lyrics as loud as they can and uh yeah i just always wonder what does something like that feel like that's got to be i can't incredible imagine incredible to have everybody just yeah. right there Everybody just vibing to the same feeling, the same rhythm all together, same time. Yeah. If you've never performed on stage, uh, people, you definitely need to give it a try. It's <laughs> really great. Um, what advice would you give yourself as a kid? Little Michaela Holly, what would you tell that one little nugget you give them? Um, I would probably say never to give up. Uh, initially, I was not actually accepted into the music therapy program at Appalachian. Yeah. Um, and had to. Is it, re is it popular? It is. I mean, yeah. It is very popular. I would say my intro to music therapy class, which is a gen ed. So if you're looking for a gen ed, you can take that at Appalachian. Yeah. Um, my intro course had probably 40 students in it. And I was only one of maybe five that hadn't already been accepted into the program. Well, by the time senior year rolled around, that 40 dwindled down to a measly four students that graduated. Oh my goodness. And out of all of those, I was the only singular one to finish my internship on the projected time advertised as four and a half years and complete the yeah. program. So I was going to say everything you were talking about having to do, it yeah. sure did seem like a lot. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I know just basically music education is it's really difficult to do that in four years. I had to do two summer sessions mm -hmm. um, to get mine knocked out. So yeah, kudos to you. Yeah. Stay the course. Um, so Michaela, I asked each guest um, who they think would be a good person to come on the podcast. Say if there's somebody, you know, that is still doing the same thing as an adult that they did as a kid and it can be all kinds of things um i have a pittsburgh steelers fan that's going to be uh, dropping in a couple of days that was his thing um, i've had uh, total nerd outs with collecting action figures or movies um uh, there's just uh, all kinds of things i've talked to people about didn't know if you have someone you think might be a good fit hmm i don't know I would have to think about that one for more. The The first person or thing that pops into my head, though, might be um, Mike Pascarella, the owner of Cafe Vesuvio. Um, oh, well, we should go there a lot. That's for sure. Yeah, I think maybe cooking has kind of been a prominent thing in his life. And 
Um, that would be a great choice too. Yeah. And a lot of local people know, know that person too. Yeah. Everybody loves Cafe Vesuvio. So, uh, Michaela, it was, um, great to have you on the podcast today. If anyone wants to meet Michaela in real life, uh, just head out to Ohio and search up the best music therapist in the state. And, uh, you're going to find her there. Um, but actually in all seriousness, Michaela, if someone is in your area, um, and they're looking for music therapy. How do they go about contacting you? Um, so you can send me an email or a text message or phone call. You can also find me on Facebook. Um, I've got my middle name listed on there. So I'm Michaela Pearl on Facebook. You can just shoot, shoot me a private message and I'll help you get connected. Um, whether it's in Ohio or North Carolina, um, I've got connections that span really all over the country from classmates and friends that have gone on to do great things. And I would love to help you get connected. Oh, that's wonderful, Michaela. All right. Remember folks, find out what makes you happy and do it. There's a lot of life out there to live. Take time to enjoy it and everybody have a good week. <laughs>